Welcome to the In Pursuit of Branding podcast. I'm Kelly Whitman, a brand strategist, designer, wife, mom, and avid reader. Through my work, I've helped hundreds of purpose-driven businesses build strategy, meaning, and connection into their brands so they can do more good work in this world. You are enjoying this podcast ad-free because of the very generous support of subscribers on Substack. You can learn more and subscribe at kellywhitman.substack.com and continue the conversation about building a people-first business. If you're a service-based business owner, creative entrepreneur, or consultant who wants to build a business doing work you love while also supporting your life, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. I am so excited to introduce you to my good friend, Megan Norman. Megan and I met at a conference last summer and became quick friends. We now have a regular coffee date on rotation and chat all things business, family, and life. But for her official bio, it's quick and easy, nice and simple. Megan is a newborn and family photographer based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Unofficially, she is so smart. She's been in the service photographer space for more than a decade, and she's a wonderful human. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Megan all about raising prices and niching down. Hello, Megan Norman. I am so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is a new experience for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very glad that you agreed to have this conversation. Um, We have met, was it just last summer or was it the summer before? I don't remember. The summer before. It's been, yeah, it's the summer before at the BWC conference. Took a chance on it and it it was amazing. Like blew my mind and I met you and some other great people and joined a circle. So it was well worth it. <laughs> yes, I know. I remember it was the event. I could it was and we sat down and had it was for lunch, I believe. We ended up just happened to be at the same table. Um immediately connected right away. I knew yeah. that you were um I just got along with you. I'm like, she's cool shit. I like her. Um <laughs> and we've been, you know, friends ever since and getting together and uh I do. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me today. So um, okay. can we That's get life. started and can you just introduce a little bit about you personal and professional? All right. I am Megan Norman. I am a family and newborn photographer. I am out of the twin cities and I actually niched down, uh, last year around this time I did it all and decided that, um, it was not serving me or my clients the way I wanted them to. So I niched down and it's been wonderful. I feel like, yeah, I love what I do. And I am all about capturing the everyday moments, this moment in time and not the, as I do air quotes, picture perfect setup. I want families to get their pictures taken every year and capture these moments because as we all know, they're so, they go by so fast and it's honestly the easiest thing to push down our to-do list because we are busy and it seems overwhelming to schedule family photos. So yeah, I think I went off the rails there, but <laughs> that is what I do. Um, I appreciate you saying that because you, uh, you teed us up for the exact conversation that I wanted to have as I was thinking about this idea of pricing and ideal client. I know after having conversations with you about it, of niching down. So I think that's a great place to start of what was the impetus that brought in or the catalyst for wanting to niche down your photography business? Yeah. So I have been doing photography sent for over 13 years now, full-time and 
you, at least for me, I felt like I had to do it all because we rely on my income. And so I needed to not, you know, push anyone away and, you know, take everyone on. And once I started, actually, what pushed me to really do it is I started working with a coach for whatever reason. I felt like that was the next step that I needed in my business well, last year. So last year, so in, well, actually two years ago, and I reached out to one that I had found on Instagram um, that didn't annoy the crap out of me, Cashy Schmidt. She's amazing. I would highly recommend her. <laughs> and um, I reached out to her and I just was like, I think this is the next step I need in my business. I've been doing this for so long. Like, yeah. And, and then I talked to her in her free consult and she was like, you know what? I don't think you know what you want next. And I don't think I, I can't work with you until you figure out what you need. And so she gave me five questions to look at. And this would have been the November, December. So almost two years ago now. And I sat on those for a while. And then last July, I reached back out to her and I said, hey, I can answer those questions now. And I want to niche down because I feel like I can actually talk to the clients I want to. And she said, okay, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I worked really hard and middle of August of 2022, I pulled the trigger, took off weddings, took off uh, seniors, like as in seniors in high school for, it's not seniors, like senior citizens, because some people ask me that. Um, <laughs> they too. And uh, yeah, and it, I haven't, it's been actually wonderful. It's, it's scary because you think you're cutting out those extra income streams, but actually you're really just talking to your ideal client and attracting more people. And it has worked out. It has, I have grown my business more than I ever thought I would in the last year. And yeah. So again, long-winded response, but that is what, what, how I did that. On that note, taking back to before you made this decision from like a percentage standpoint, you know, was it 50% weddings and 15, you know, percent seniors and then the rest families or what did that look like before um, just to kind of help paint and give some context to you know pulling the trigger and going all in on families what I don't want to say what were you giving up but I guess that would maybe be the best way to be blunt like what were you giving up in terms of that revenue stream for your business I would say my weddings were probably I would say probably around 30 percent and then my families were probably around 50 and then I'd say then because I, I actually chunk everything out. So then seniors and newborns would be, you know, whatever that 20 percent would be is probably in there. Um, okay. um, but that's one of the other things is that by working with Cassie, she helped me understand my numbers a lot better, too. And so that has really helped me not be as scared to do the niching down. So building off of that, how did you decide that families were? The direction that you wanted to go in you know what what were the factors that made you realize that that was your next right step what i am super drawn to or i've learned about myself is the connection piece is what uh drives me in my business and fills up my cup and makes me excited to work with each family so i i feel like i 
couldn't connect with, I, I can connect with the actual wedding clients, but it was more about the details and timelines and things like that. And, um, and just being gone for such a big chunk and being um, sure. like also having three children and not wanting to miss out on things, but yet I still am working on the weekend. So I can't really say that I'm not still missing out on things, but I'm enjoying it in a different way where I feel like I can connect with these families. I'm seeing them year after year. The kids are excited to see me. Um, I'm excited to see them uh, hear about what's different. You know, it's just, it's for me every year, it's seeing all of my friends. Yes, I only probably see them for an hour and I don't get to chat with them as much as I want to. Though, as my kids say, I chitty chitty chat chat too much. And that's why a lot of times I'm home like two hours. Because, <laughs> you know, I I just, I do. That connection piece is so, is just huge to me. And that was what sealed the deal for me for wanting to stay the course with families and there's such a big wild card and I have learned that about myself that I thrive on other people's chaos well and to your point of you know I know what you're what you are so great at is capturing those real life moments the chaotic moments so um that's kind of a serendipitous you know pairing I guess uh, between what you do and and what you really or what really lights you up yeah I I do I the best sessions for me, I know it might sound nuts, is but we're running around and the kids are being themselves and not there's this equal parts listening to not listening. And so it just creates some beautiful moments of just realness of what's happening in this moment in time and who your kids are and what they're into and all of that that I just I love. On that note. Was there anything else, you know, besides this idea of connection, did anything else go into your decision process for weeding out or saying no to the weddings and the seniors? And kind of to piggyback off of that, did you get inquiries for those? And how did the saying no process go? So I will tell you, I still do seniors for my return families. So any families that I've had for a long time, of course, I will still photograph their seniors um, because how could I say no? But other than that, I'm not showing it on my website. I'm not showing it on social media. I'm no longer blogging about it. Um, I just, yeah, I stopped showing it. And you just, I don't know. As far as weddings go, yes, probably one of my top performing blog posts is about small intimate weddings. Um, <laughs> and I, I thought that I would niche down to that. And I just decided I needed to just focus on families and newborns and just do that. And so um, I don't get any, I just don't, cause I don't talk about it anymore. I don't show it. And so I think it's just an easy, it's, yeah. I mean, and if I do get the random inquiries now for it, I just say, hey, thanks for reaching out. Um, I no longer shoot weddings. And um, here are some other people to check out that do a great job. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you're recommending other people. That's such a great community over competition way to support other photographers that you're you know, fans of and that you have relationships with. On a more kind of mindset you know, personal side, because I hear this from clients that I work with when we talk about niching down and really going in on, a, on an ideal client. Uh, but I'd be curious for you, what were some of the stories and the, you know, blocks, if you will, that came up 
that when you were making this decision to niche down and say no to weddings, um, you know, no to new senior projects going all in on this particular category or space? Well, I think the probably the most common is that you're not going to make as much money or mainly, I honestly think as mainly like, I'm not going to make as much money as I did before. And I'm super competitive with myself, especially now that I'm looking at my numbers even more than ever before. Um, So it's just scary. It's scary. Like, oh, I'm not going to get a lot of clients or, um, you know, it's not going to work out, but sticking the course, looking at the numbers and really just knowing who your ideal client is it comes back to you I don't know I don't I honestly I don't know how it just does it's like by talking to your ideal client and knowing who they are and and also being very confident in your decision to do it they just come to you I don't know it's it was wonderful I like I said I've done it it's been just a little over a year now and this year my business is better than ever I'm finding more of my ideal clients I'm able to speak to my why and (laughs) no complaints yay I love that and it's such a great case study for why should we do this in the first place? Because it's it's something that, again, I talk with all of my clients about and every single time I hear pushback on, well, I, I also need to serve this person and this person and this person. So from a more like even tangible place, what were, could you give me an example of how like your messaging, so you talk about how, you know, you talk to your ideal client now, how did that shift? You know, what did that look like is maybe even like sharing just a summary of like an Instagram caption or maybe what you're talking about on your website. Could you give an example of what that shift really like tangibly looked like? Sure. So when I spoke to Cassie, my business coach, uh, in that before I even hired her, she was like, you need a new website, you need new copy. Um, and I was taken back because I went, I, when I first started, I started, as a graphic design student, I was always fine tuning my website, doing all these things. I, I very much was DIYing things even up until last year. So like 12 years in, yeah, I just wasn't re- couldn't relinquish things or delegate things, or it felt like it was too expensive. What would I get my money out of it? You know, all those things. Um, so I loved how, when I finally reached or could answer those questions and spoke to Cassie again she was like okay these are the things you need to do are you able to do them do you financially are you able to do them and I answered no because it was like whoa sticker shock like I have to hire a copywriter I need to get a new website like those kind of things but they have been so like a million times over have they been worth it because I'm really good at taking a photo and connecting with my clients but I'm not really good at of at actually writing it down and really being able to articulate what I do and why I do it. And so I hired Erica and she could capture my voice even better than I ever could have. She worked so well with Cassie to create this website that is cohesive, like flows and I, it's wonderful. So one of the message, like my message, right when you pop onto my website, is redefining the perfect photo through a child-led, fun-filled family photography experience. And then that message is runs throughout my entire 
website and it's just wonderful. It's playful. It really captures me talking about, I believe that the real magic's in the mess. And I feel like I do emulate that. I love when kids are themselves and being silly and goofy and yeah, I don't know. Did I answer your question? I kind of, again, went off the rails there. No, you did. And what I'm hearing, and just to reiterate is you really honed in on this idea of one core message that summarized or summarizes what you're all about as a business. And that's something that I've written about and I talk about, and I know we're in the branding and messaging space. It's, it's said, but thank you for sharing just a good example of that. And this idea that when you hone in on one solid you know, core, what I call is the core message statement, you then can sprinkle it throughout the rest of your copy. And then it works into your Instagram captions and what you say on social media. And it's this idea of once you can define that, it really bleeds into everything else of your business. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It just, I think reiterates this idea and this concept of how important it is to understand that core message and that message serves and is intended to speak to a particular ideal client persona. So kind of along these lines, because I I know you also did some price increases. Was that part of, was that kind of a chicken or egg scenario or what came first identifying and going all in on your niche and then raising your prices? Or did you decide you wanted to raise your prices and it made sense then to niche down? What was that process like? So when COVID hit, Um, I had the same pricing for four years and I struggled to figure out how to increase or how to like, do I want to stay with the same model or like, how do I do it? It was also really scary because I do have a, such a strong client base. I've had a lot of my clients for almost the entire span of my career, um, as a photographer. So it's scary to do that because you don't want to lose any of your friends and clients. Um, But I knew I needed something different. So I actually found a pricing model that I really liked. It's called, it's simple sales. Um, And I adapted that and I did that March of 2021, I think is when I started that. And I was scared because it was completely different. It was a little more expensive than what I was charging. I lost maybe two people and, and that's okay. You're not going to attract everyone and it's okay to lose some people. You're going to gain some people. There is a, there's a, there's a balance to it. It's scary. I, you doubt yourself. Do you think, am I worth this? But you are worth this and you just, yeah, it, it, we're so good at telling ourselves that it, you know, or questioning ourselves. But yeah, so that came first. And then I have done a raise um, every year since. And again, I know that it's going to be outside of some people's reach. But then I also have clients who um, value what I do, and they're willing to pay that. And so, you know, they might splurge on me. So we're really good at being our biggest critics and sabotaging ourselves but what I have really learned is that you are worth it if you have the clients you can start you know you can increase and if you really feel like it you can always decrease or you can try it on new clients so I've done that before where my return clients they have 
there, you know, have one increase and then anyone new after that has, a, there's a little, I have increased it a little bit more. There's no right or wrong. There's great trial and error, but um, I would say I definitely struggled with that and was like, just got to take the leap. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and being so honest about that. I think pricing is such a challenging part of being a service-based business owner, because we can tie our value and our worth to what we're charging. And when someone says no, then it's like, they're saying no to us. And maybe, you know, we, we take it personally. I've been there. Um, I, I would imagine most of the listeners have been in that space. So for you, was it a, just kind of a leap scenario and you just kind of went for it or what did, was there anything that you did in terms of like any mindset practices or any like books that you read or articles or podcasts or any resources that really helped you in raising your prices? And I would say even having then the confidence to talk about the price increase and the reasoning behind it and, um, you know, kind of everything that comes with raising your rates. Yeah. So, um, during COVID, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and my, one of my friends had recommended that I recommend that I listen to, um, this can't be that hard with Anna Mae Tonkin and her pricing structure is what I bought into the simple sales. She has so many great ideas and it's, yeah, it's a wonderful podcast. I binged it and she just has great ideas and you just actionable items. Plus she has great um, people that come on and chat about things as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, but that's who I, it was listening to her and listening to her pricing model, knowing I needed something different. I liked how I just liked the sound of it. And I think that one of the big roadblocks on it is that you have a consult call with every single client that comes in. So anytime I get an inquiry on my website, um, then I send them an email back with a link to do a consult call. And it, it was really challenging at first to be able to, especially with the price increase and something different to get on the phone and sell yourself. But the more I've done it, the better it's been, the more I connect with clients. And also I feel like that is uh, the connection piece. Like I talked about before is one of the things that I really am good at. And so I have a pretty good rate once they're on to be like, to be able to get them to book with me and we connect and yeah. And they can understand the pricing better. That's the other thing that can be hard with some clients is that they don't, you can just send them the numbers and they just are numbers, but by putting an actual voice to those numbers and why you do it, it explains to why, why you charge the way you, you know, you do. Yeah. That's such a good tip and reminder. Um, you know, even just thinking about our own buyer behavior, you know, I'm always, okay, what is like, what's it going to cost? What's the price, but then taking it from the other perspective, you know, being on the other side of it, uh, when you communicate and say like, this is the value that you're getting. Yeah. This is the price, but this, these are all the things that you're getting. And this is the process that I'm taking you through. And you really then understand why the rates are that way. And I I guess I could use even website design as a great example of what happens when people, you know, just do the bottom line. I would imagine you probably see this in the photography space as well. Like when you go cheap, 
you usually get what you pay for and people don't necessarily yeah. think about it from that perspective. They're just looking at it. I just want to pay less. And then it's not until after then you get the results that you're like, oh shit, that's why it was, you know, a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And that is one of the biggest compliments I get is when clients will say, I just love your process. I love your emails. I love how you, and they realize that all of that comes with a certain price point and they again it's me really what i'm saying on my website and my message and what i'm saying to them is actually coming out in my process how i operate and so i think that's also how i get clients to come back every year because i'm doing what i'm saying right and you have that continuity of experience you're not just saying that i'm all for connection and then you have a process that's devoid of human connection and you know you're when you go on site to do a shoot, it's here are the poses that you need to do. Um, you're really embodying that message, which kind of gets back to this idea of having this people first and purpose driven brand and business that when you're really centered on your why and you're connected to what you're doing and why you're doing it, it bleeds into every aspect of your business and people can tell, I mean, they can smell bullshit when it's not genuine and not true, but when it is, that's when, you know, the magic really happens and it's, it comes easy to you. I would, I'm going to maybe just project a little bit, but I know for me, um, like when I'm doing things that are really in that zone of genius and they're aligned with my belief as a business and as a brand and as a human, it just, it feels easeful and it's fun and it's enjoyable. And then, you know, your clients can experience, they experience that too, which is the beauty of really understanding and honing in on that, that message and the ideal client who you want to do it for, who get great results for. Um, it just kind of is this really great domino effect. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Cause it's easy if you believe it and you're confident in it and that's what you're doing. It's just an easy sell. You can just be yourself and that's what they want. So with this increase, have you had any, or would you be willing to share any times when, you know, you said the price and someone, you got those objections and how did you overcome them or what did that look like? And I know for me, when I've gotten some price rejection before some gremlins come in and the stories can be very abundant and negativity, you know, how do you work through that? What does that look like for you? So yes, totally. Especially with the phone call, you can tell. So I'll be driving and we'll be great. And then when I get to the pricing point and I talk about it, you can tell. And that's okay. I'm not for everyone. And I understand that. I get that, you know, not everyone can afford me and, or I'm not the right photographer for everyone. I get that. And I, it's taken a long time to get there. And I will say that it is still, it hurts sometimes because you'll have felt like you've connected with that person. And then you're like, like, for instance, one woman just kept saying, wow, you're expensive. Wow, you're expensive. And I was just like, well, that's what I charge, you know, and I'm not going to be for everyone. And that's okay. I don't think I said that, though. I think I said something like, okay, well, thank you for your time. You know, I'll send you the information. Right. I mean, to the, your point, sometimes you get people who are uh, maybe not as kind about it as as you would like them to. But I love what you're saying. And that just reiterating to yourself that you aren't for everyone and that's okay. Um, because again, when we get to this space of or this idea and, you know, as service-based businesses, I, I remind myself of this a lot of, I don't need a hundred clients in order to have a sustainable and supportive business. You know, 
understanding, maybe this kind of even ties back to what you were saying before about getting really intimate with your numbers. Like when you know that, I feel like, do you feel like that had any effect because you knew what you needed to reach um, and you had clarity around, you know, those numbers of your business? Did that give you any different kind of confidence in how you were showing up and talking about your work? Oh, for sure. So uh, Cassie and I, once we hit the end of last year, we I decided to work with her on a quarterly basis. And so that actually has helped me really reflect each quarter on my business, which I hadn't really done before. And then um, so at our one in July, maybe she brought up just, we, I had a running Google sheet with her. And um, one of the things I was just frustrated with was because she was helping me look at my numbers and understanding my numbers and tracking, you know, my sales. So each, each email that I got with an inquiry, I have on a spreadsheet now, um, each family that I see, I also track what package they purchase. You know, there's just been so much more clarity in that sense where so I was expressing how frustrated I was from last year's uh, profit and loss statement and where I was at actually take my take home after you know everything as a small business there is so many expenses and so I was looking (laughs) at that and I was like wah wah like that's how much I took home plus I had to pay taxes on that that's when she was like, okay, let's look at this. Let's look at how many people are purchasing your biggest package or your middle package or your small package. Oh, look, most of the people are purchasing your biggest package. So what if we do an increase for anyone who inquires going forward and we increase your biggest package and your middle package by a little bit and see what happens? And we did that and uh, I still had people looking. So, um, but it, it feels like for me, I had that, that, you know, backing of that knowledge because I was understanding my numbers that I could see, Hey, I, that I was selling most of those bigger packages. So why not raise it and see what happens? And I could always bring it back to where it was, but why not try it? And that's where it stayed. And that's where it will stay going into this next year as well. Yeah. And I love the experimentation mindset and just having, you know, educating yourself on, those basic things that we so often can just not do um, as you know business owners and then using that to make a decision with then the little permission slip of okay we can also just we can change it it doesn't have to just keep going up it can also take a step back if we need to and it's not the end of the world I think we can pull in a lot of stories around what it means about us if we have to decrease our prices, if it doesn't work out the way that or meet our expectations. And it doesn't have to, it can just be, why can't we experiment and see what happens kind of thing when you go yes. into it? Yes. Nothing set in stone, nothing. And trial and error is how you learn too. So if, you know, just like I had a totally different pricing model for so long and I tried something new and I could always, and I can, I have tweaked it to make it work for me. That's how you learn and grow. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, so on that note, there's, you've just so many good things about pricing and ideal clients and niching down. So I really appreciate you. If you were to summarize, what would be one action step that our listeners could take this week related to this idea of pricing or knowing your numbers or ideal clients and niching down? So I think honestly, as I 
even though I had been running my business for so long, I have an accountant for a husband. So I relied on him for my numbers. And I think there is so much power in knowing your numbers. Yes, they're scary. I get that. I totally get that. It seems overwhelming. Like, you know, what's gross and what's, you know, all those things. I still have to ask him these questions too, but to really understand your numbers, there's so much power in that. So if you just kind of look at it one thing at a time, it doesn't have to be a, anything big. For me, it was going over my numbers, my profit and loss statement um, at the end of the year and really understanding like, oh, wow, I spent this much on, you know, like this is how much my client spent on products and this is how much it costed cost me or this is how much I spent on education or um, things like that and or this is how much I spent in taxes you know things like that fun it's numbers really, like that yes, yes it's like it 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 feels big until you actually start getting in there and then once you start understanding you for me it just gave me so much clarity and really helped with that self-sabotage on like oh I couldn't charge that well if I want to get to this goal, or I want to do this stuff, then that's what I have to charge. But the numbers piece has been my biggest empowerment. So even just taking chunks at a time or asking more questions, um, I would say would have a big impact. Yes, can be really scary and feel very overwhelming, but I will 100% echo what you're saying is when I know for me as well, when I have a handle on my numbers, there's just so much confidence that comes with that of no, this is like, this is what I need to do, or this is what I have to spend to go out and buy something, you know, some educational piece for me, it's usually another book or, you know, something like that. But um, there is really great power in knowing where you sit from a numbers perspective in your business. Um, that's yeah, very helpful. So I want to wrap up with our in pursuit segment, and this is a collection of questions about how you pursue an intentional brand. So my first one is from your perspective, what makes a brand remarkable? So I think for me is brand recognition, right? So a cohesive brand, um, and that branding message, if the message like we talked about is weaved throughout, then that to me makes that brand stand out. It, it, yeah, it's cohesive. You should in theory be excited if that's the message that they're speaking to you about. So yeah, that that to me is what makes it remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with that. And I know we've centered around this idea of connection because it's so important for your business, but is there anything specific or that you want to share in terms of how you build connection into your business? I think that first phone call really helps. I take notes during it. Um, and that way, then when I am emailing them throughout the process, I can refer back to the notes or I just, um, I also have a questionnaire that I have my um, clients answer. So again, I can create those connections so that when I meet them for their session, I have some things I can talk to them about. And again, that just furthers that connection with them. What does support look like for you right now? So I have really noticed that after COVID in particular, that I really crave that in-person connection and support, that networking piece. So that's where Kelly came in. Actually, we started, we connected at the BWC conference. And then we've just been meeting 
And it's just so nice to meet for coffee and talk about things, whether it's personal or professional. And that has given me a lot of support at, per, like for right now, especially. I second that. I love our coffee meetings <laughs> and coffee chats. Um, it is so good to just see someone in person and give someone a hug and like sit across from the table and not have a screen in between you. <laughs> yes. Well, because it's so easy to scroll on your phone while you're having a phone conversation or think, you know, it just easy uh-huh. to be distracted. Yes, absolutely. And when you're, when you're in person, you guys can be distracted together of like, you know, pointing out like, Oh, look at that. Or like, look at those cute shoes that that girl is wearing, or look at that adorable dog, which is usually what distracts me whenever I'm out in person and <laughs> see a, a cute dog going by. I just you know automatically zone in on that, but I agree. It is. It's nice to have that human element. Um, okay. In the last, you know, six or nine months, what have you tried that did not work? Uh, so this might be an unpopular opinion, but social media, I felt like I was putting a lot of time and energy into social media. And I had a friend say, Oh, you must really like social media because you're posting three times a week and you're doing this, this and this. And I'm like, No, actually, I don't. It feels very overwhelming. And also, I don't know about you, Kelly, but when I get on there, I have a goal somehow that unravels and I go down a rabbit hole and then I'm on staring like in, in at other videos that have nothing to do with <laughs> why I even went on there in the first place. So uh, I just decided that I was going to be way more intentional and not like I wasn't getting a lot of clients from social media and I was putting so much time and effort in there. So that is where I looked at this wasn't working for me personally and to take a step back and reevaluate. Mm, I love that you're speaking my language. I, the episode that's going to go live before yours is with Angela Knox and she's a social media strategist and content creator. She has an agency for social media management. And that was the, one of the questions It's not even one of the questions, but the whole episode is around this idea of how do we make social media work for us? Because I'm with you. It's not working for me. And I would love to leverage it positively for my business, but I just get overwhelmed and then usually frustrated. And then the rabbit hole hits and it's a downward spiral from there. So, um, you're speaking my language for sure. Uh, and then, so on that note, or a little bit kind of pivoting from that or parallel to it, maybe the last six to nine months, personally or professionally, what is one thing that you have said no to? So, you kind of said no to social media. So maybe one other thing that you have said no to. I don't know. I'm in like deep, my deep busy season right now. So I feel like I say a lot of no to personal things, but also trying to find a balance of being able to do self-care. And so I guess maybe I haven't been saying no to being too busy and opening up my schedule too much and being okay with having that breathing space because I've learned that that helps me actually be a better photographer, a better mom, a better wife, a better friend by not cramming everything in there and doing it all. So I think that's maybe what it is in a real backwards way. I figured that one out as I was talking (laughs) through it. (laughs) Welcome to the In Pursuit Therapy Session. It is a great place to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) I think every business has, we have busy seasons, it ebbs and flows. And instead of, I was just talking about this um, to someone the other day, instead of trying to fight it, you know, what does it look like to embrace the busy season and then have it work for 
you and your life. Uh, you know, instead of like, for me, it's, I, I know I can often find myself when I'm super busy, it's okay. I just have to get through this until I get to something that's a little bit slower, but kind of shifting that mindset perspective of how can I create the space while I'm in the busy season and enjoy it as much as I possibly can, because it's here and instead of wishing it away, if that makes sense. No, it's true. When you are in that busy season to you are fighting it and feeling a certain way, but I would agree embracing it. And also knowing that everything's a phase or, you know, it's not forever and riding the wave. What a great last thought to end on, which is then my last question. I know everyone's going to love you as much as I do. So Megan Norman, where can people connect with you and learn more about your work and follow along with you and um, soak up all of your goodness? Uh, My website is megannorman.com. So M-E-G-A-N-N-O-R-M-A-N.com. And then my Instagram handle is Megan Norman Photography. I love to connect. I genuinely mean that. I love connecting with other business owners with uh, and answering questions. And the, like I said, connection is my jam. So let's connect. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I really appreciate you and all of the open and honest honesty, I guess, that you've shared today. I really, really appreciate it. It was a great chat. And um, listeners, we will see you next time. 